Welcome to the Mum Safe Movement podcast. I'm your host, Jen Dugard. I'm so excited that you're here and now part of this very important movement for change in the way mums are looked after in the fitness industry. In 2020, 4.35 million women used our gyms and fitness facilities in comparison to 3.5 million men. Further to this, in 2016, the ABS reported that 77% of women over the age of 15 in Australia would become mothers. This is 3.35 million mothers or 42.7% of a personal trainer's potential clientele. Yet our fitness certificates don't teach us enough and mums themselves receive very little, if any, education about how to move safely and effectively. I am here to change that. This podcast is an accumulation of over 16 years in the fitness industry, a decade working face-to-face with mums themselves and teaching thousands of trainers in my Safe Return to Exercise certification. And most recently, bringing mums and trainers together around the MumSafe brand. This podcast is the next step into raising our voices and bringing mums and the trainers that work with them into the arena to achieve our mission of safe and effective exercise for women at every stage of motherhood. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Mum Safe Movement podcast. I'm Jen Dugard, and today I'd like to welcome a very exciting guest, Joe Murdoch. Now, Joe's been a colleague, mentor, and friend of mine since I started Body Beyond Baby way back in 2013. She is the first women's and now pelvic health physiotherapist that I worked with back then, and I've continued to work with her ever since. She is always so willing to jump on board, look over some of my work, help to teach our MumSafe team. And today she agreed to come and be a guest on the MumSafe Movement podcast. And we're going to be talking about all of the reasons why a personal trainer that is choosing to work with mums really does need a pelvic health physiotherapist on their team. And also the benefits that seeing a pelvic health physiotherapist has to a pregnant and a postpartum mum. So Joe runs the physiotherapy clinic in Sydney and she has a bachelor of physiotherapy and postgrad certificates in continence and women's health. She has a master's in women's health medicine, and she spends a lot of time hands-on working with mums, women themselves. Jo's done some other cool things along the way. She has a program called Born Ready, which is designed to help pregnant women get ready for their birth experience. And she also mentors fellow physiotherapists and provides education to exercise professionals as well. Let's dive into this conversation. I love Jo, I love everything that she stands for, and I know that you're going to love her as well. Hey Jo, welcome to the Mum Safe Movement podcast. How are you? Hi Jen, I'm very well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm super excited that you've made today happen. Just to give everyone a little bit of an insight, you're in a hotel room, you've juggled (laughs) a light behind your camera, you've brought your microphone with you. It's all good. We're action women, aren't we? Just get it done. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd like to start every podcast or I start every podcast with three questions. So three fast questions. So if Mm -hmm. you can share with us a word, 
to describe how you're showing up today and it doesn't have to be a positive word if it's not a positive morning, a win and also something that you're working on. Oh, okay. Um, well, a word, uh, uh, family probably because we've, my husband's just organised a massive family reunion of in the, I'm going to say about 100 people, so been around family, which is, very um, heartwarming. So, yes, word family. Long weekend here in New South Wales, so lots of people hang out with their family, no doubt. Yep. A win. Mm. Oh, goodness. It's tough, isn't it? A win. Parenting, maybe. The children have been very good this weekend. And we were like, awesome. oh, that feels like a win. Often like it that. doesn't. In fact, rarely, <laughs> rarely it feels like you're winning when you're parenting. So that feels good. Um, what I'm working on, tons of stuff, but one thing that I'm super passionate about is working on a conference that is designed for all health professionals, including exercise professionals, working uh, with women who have endometriosis. It's a one-day mm-hmm. conference, and this year actually we're holding it in Queensland, in Brisbane. Uh, some of you will remember that we last year we held it on the female athlete. The reason we're uh, working on this one on endometriosis in particular is because again, there's there's sort of this explosion of information, some of which is uh, accurate, some of which isn't. Um, and we need clinicians to get across really accurate information faster so that we can do a much, much better job for women with endometriosis because to date, arguably, we haven't done amazing things because we haven't understood the disease very well. So we're getting better and together, if we come together and continue to collaborate, we'll do a much, much better job. I love it. So I think, Joe, it might be a good idea. We'll put a link to that in the show notes um, for anyone that would like to come and find out more about that. Awesome. So let's, we met, I was thinking about this this morning. Marley had been born. I had launched Body Beyond Baby. He was born 2008. So we must have met 2008 or early 2009 because I know I looked for you um, really early into my fitness journey. But I'd like to backtrack a little bit before that and tell us what led you to being a physiotherapist to begin with and then also a women's or pelvic health or physio. I'm not sure what label you give yourself. <laughs> no, me either. Uh, we, like, we like to call ourselves pelvic health physios now um, Got it. because it's such a broad um, demographic that we treat. Uh, so, uh, well, physiotherapy, I mean, a lot of physios become physios because they really like sport or activities themselves are quite physical in nature. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's sort of, that was as simple as that. That's what I did. And then pelvic health really, uh, was one of those things I fell into. Often you'll find physios, uh, merge into pelvic health once they've had their babies because, you know, that process opens them up to the profession, but I fell into it really literally by virtue of where I worked. So yes, I think it was quite incidental. I actually didn't go to uni thinking I really want to do women's health okay, <laughs> uh, at all. I just uh, landed in it because we, we had a clinic that saw a lot of pregnant women because we were 
we're very good at treating pelvises and lower backs. And then as we started to treat the pregnant women, we went, gee whiz, there's a lot to understand in this space. And so that's what took me on the journey to understand pelvic health in more detail. Okay. And what was the landscape like when you first started? Well, let's talk about where it was and then also maybe compare it to where it is now because it's quite different. Yeah. Feels like Uh, it's different. Absolutely. We've come a very, very long way since I started. Um, There were some amazing trailblazers when I first started, but literally I did a weekend course, learnt how to do a vaginal exam, learnt tons of theory that I sort of probably didn't absorb at all, but came away from that course and was working in public health. Full stop. Nice. Whereas now, obviously, there's postgraduate certificates at universities, there's master's programs, um, and the Australian Physiotherapy Association have a much, uh, a, a much more structured pathway. And there are tons and tons and tons of physios interested in pelvic health. So it's when I was around, there really truly weren't many of us, but it has exploded, which is extraordinary because it means you can generally find one in most places, even rurally and regionally, there's usually someone. And we have lots of pro- mental programs um, that, that reach uh, people all around the country now to help these physios and guide them. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the landscape's changed enormously and I would argue that we are much, much better at what we do and there's lots more of us. <laughs> I like it. So when we first met, I I knew I know that I was very early into my PT journey. I had done a very kind of low level, not low level, it was what it was at the time. It was a pre and postnatal course for trainers that wanted to work with pre and postnatal women the majority of that was pregnancy focused. There was very, very little education in working with postpartum women. Um, and I remember getting on the internet going, how am I going to learn more? And and stumbling upon the physiotherapy clinic, coming in to meet you. What was, where were you at? So I was right at the beginning of my journey then in 2008, 2009. How far in were you? I think you were similar, maybe a little bit yeah. further. yeah. Uh, no, I would have been also right at the beginning. I did my postgraduate training in Melbourne in 2008. Um, so I suppose I was really at the beginning as well. I think we probably learned together. (laughs) And it's funny that you say that because, oh, go. No, I was just going to say what was great is, um, from memory is meeting you and you had quite a strong following at that point. I remember which meant I saw quite a lot of your clients. So I do feel like we genuinely sort of learnt together as we were going. Yeah, that's what I was going to kind of touch on because I think sometimes as exercise professionals, we think that we don't know enough or we don't bring to the relationship what a physio can bring to the relationship. So from your perspective, from having that exposure to more mums what was the benefit for you of working with a personal trainer at that point or even now I guess yeah yeah exactly even now I mean the value of seeing lots of patients is you see lots of different bodies um, and their different presentations their different birth stories and you get you just have to start to think about what that might mean for exercise and how maybe exercise um, needs to be modified, etc. So I think, um, yeah, I think what happened is we just 
you know, I figured out what you were doing with them, which is obviously extremely important on so many levels. Um, and then how their body was looking at whatever um, time they were postpartum. And then we just started to think, well, what maybe should we modify considering that their pelvic floor is not optimal at the moment? Perhaps those stair runs, maybe not the best thing for them right now. Can we modify that to just step ups? You know, those kind of things. Yeah. Do you remember? We would we'll just workshop it. And then over time, we've got lots and lots more research showing us um, true values of pressure and et cetera for various exercises so we can be a little bit more scientific about how we're modifying exercise but in the beginning it was really just using our brain and thinking about it yeah absolutely um i mean in terms of the value of uh exercise professionals and what they bring to the relationship it's mm -hmm. not just the patient <laughs> the patients <laughs> as patients, yeah. highly valuable <laughs> Um, but, uh, I think it's the communication that you guys are very, very good at, which in our world we call soft skills, but, um, I've said this many times to you, I know, but I've just always been fascinated how, um, your clients trust you so much that they will do whatever it is that you say. So mm -hmm. I've, often they'll, they'll be, they'll be at the clinic and you'll be like, oh, why are you here? Oh, well, Jen sent me or whoever the exercise oh why oh I don't know she said I needed a checkup or something or <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> like, oh, it's so interesting um so there's that there's that soft skill that's very highly valued I think yeah and I think on that that's interesting do you like I believe and you can say something different I believe every mum that's ever had a baby needs to see a women's or pelvic health physio and I believe that every trainer that works with a mum needs to have a partnership with a women's or pelvic health physio so that that can happen. Where do you stand on that? Yes. Well, um, firmly beside you, I would say. Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, because like we've always said, you know, the whole process of pregnancy and birth um, certainly puts your body through a lot. And the reality is, is, often women are asymptomatic with dysfunction. And so obviously it's like any screening in medicine, like it's like any screening tool. If we can screen you and pick up those dysfunctions and then intervene, we absolutely can prevent issues in the future. It's, you know, we're devastating when you see someone with pelvic organ prolapse or incontinence or fecal incontinence um, and, and you just listen to their story and you think, well, that could have been prevented. That was just unnecessary. Uh, so it's just that mm -hmm. driving force behind it. And often the intervention is quite innocuous. It's not difficult. It's just, okay, let's do X, Y, and Z. And here's the reason why. Um, and I think in the early days, we probably were too cautious with a lot of things, but we've learned over the years and we've become um, just by virtue of seeing lots of patients um, and physios generally always want to keep women moving, but there was certainly a period of time where we were a bit scared that we we're going to give everyone a prolapse if we let them load too much, for example. But we understand, um, like Laurie Fauna, for example, has done tons of research in this space, as have others. Um, and we just understand a little bit more about what exactly, um, 
what cases we need to be cautious of and others that we don't. Um, yeah. But yes, I think that screening is extremely valuable. Okay, let's dive a little bit deeper into that because I think some people will now be going whether it's a mum listing themselves or a trainer that works with mums, like well, what are those things that you're looking for that, that are asymptomatic and what are the the processes or the things that I could do in an exercise environment or a trainer could do that could be detrimental to that thing that we don't even know exists? Yeah, okay. Um, all right, well, if we start from let's say, I mean, it's a bit of a whole body approach our screenings are always let's look at this whole body, not just the pelvic floor and not just the abdominal wall Mm -hmm. because obviously everything's connected. So we would just look and go, okay, well, let's just have a look at how you're moving. And usually they're extremely stiff through their mid back or their thorax, what we call their thorax, because, you know, their boobs have grown enormously, often they're breastfeeding. So even the impact of having a really stiff thorax, um, is an important thing to consider and you know we've always talked about mobilizing through the thorax as a part of your warm-up why because all of, there's so many muscles attached into the thorax and particularly your abdominal muscles and I know um you know a lot of women are really keen on rehabilitating their abdominal wall postpartum but if you've got a very stiff thorax let me tell you your abdominal wall muscles are not going to work very well no matter what fancy exercise to do (laughs) nor is your shoulder Mm -hmm. girdle you know so just clearing tension through the thorax is probably really important and one of the screening tools that we look at what how are you moving what do i need to tell the trainer to really focus on da 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 and then moving down the abdominal wall um the one big thing that we try to prevent is a gripping pattern through external oblique and we rave on and on and on about that in our clinic and that's because when they come, when the, what happens obviously is if your deep core system is difficult to access, it's weak, your brain doesn't want to be bothered accessing it because it's hard to find, it has been so mm-hmm. goddamn stretched through pregnancy, da-da-da, then obviously your brain will just pick up muscles that it's easier to recruit which are usually big superficial muscles and external oblique is one of them the problem with that is then people become reliant on using external oblique to stabilize to stand upright it's that's not its job its job is to rotate your thorax and so if it becomes stiff step one you can't rotate anymore because it's too stiff um, so you've lost that function. Um, and step two, what it does, if you can imagine that big superficial muscle over your thorax gripping down and holding on tight, it creates a whole lot of intra-abdominal pressure. Mm-hmm. And intra-abdominal pressure is meant to fluctuate, come and go, depending on whether we're coughing or jumping or sneezing or laughing, not be constant. So if we have this constant state of intra-abdominal pressure, a couple of things can transpire. You can end up with that pressure going forwards and you end up with a little pressure belly, which women hate. It's like a little pot belly and people say, I've always had that little thing. Um, And what do you do when you hate your belly? You suck it in even more. And then you do lots of sit-ups because you think it's going to make it better. And then you do lots of sit-ups, yeah. So So you continue to train the pattern that's inappropriate the problem yeah yep and then you and then suddenly the pressure belly just gets worse um 
doesn't look great. It's not very functional and it puts pressure down through your pelvis. And two things can happen there. One, it can just kind of make that whole system sort of the pressure can just push it down. It can push organs down. Uh, it can push down on the pelvic floor muscles and or the pelvic floor muscles are meant to respond by contracting to pressure. So an intra-abdominal mm-hmm. pressure happens. You cough, you laugh, you sneeze, automatically your pelvic floor muscles contract. Beautiful yep. thing. Keeps us continent, keeps our pelvic organs supported. If you're under constant pressure, it will constantly sit at a higher what we call tone or slightly mm-hmm. contracted all of the time. A slightly contracted pelvic floor muscle system all of the time is a dysfunctional system. So we, we're, we're just looking to go, okay, what's happening in your thorax? What's happening in your abdominal wall? What do I need to do here to optimize the motor patterns? And then what's happening through this pelvic floor? What do I need to do here to optimize the patterns? Or, um, you know, I guess we're always searching for where the deficit is, if there is one. Sometimes women come in and you're just like, you are sweet, like no issues, like good I love that. have fun. We have to say that because we're always talking about what could be wrong, right? So I love that you've said that. <laughs> yeah, and it happens more often than you would think. Um, and one of the, I guess, sh- massive shifts when you were talking about how the landscapes change that I failed to say was that, more and more women are coming in for screenings mm-hmm. and we um and I would say that's a win um in the last 10 years probably since we started and and I would say you and I and probably plenty of others were part of that shift of educating women no 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 come in for a screening and that's a thing now people just do it right and we push so hard for it remember you've got to get your 6 weeks screening with the physio it feels like people just do that now um, certainly where we work. Yeah, maybe not everywhere. Any, <laughs> I think if there's you're like, listening. Yeah, there's more people definitely going, but there's still not everyone going. And that's due to accessibility and, and you know, finance in some people's parts. And even we're still in that area of you don't know what you don't know um, a lot. Yeah. 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 yeah so yeah. I suppose if that's not happening for you, then make it happen because it's not that hard. And I would say, yeah, um, finances are always a consideration. But uh, we're talking about a screening and if you can prevent something happening, you're going to save yourself a ton of money in the future. Absolutely. So um, I would say it's a good investment. And accessibility, like I said, there's so many more pelvic health physios out there now than there was 10 years ago. So I, I'm sure most people will be able to find one. Um, yeah. And there's people offering telehealth and all sorts of things. So um Yes, so I think um, hopefully that postpartum screening is just is just what happens now. And and the next thing that's sort of started to happen in the last few years is we're now getting women screened in their pregnancies, which has been probably a dream of ours to get women in their pregnancy so that we can help them a through their pregnancy, but primarily through their birth. So that hopefully they can have a better birth and be better postpartum because once again, you sit there listening to their stories and listen to their birth story and, and their history. And often when you put all that together, you think could have been better than that. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think um, there's a massive thing around being in the fitness industry with prevention being better than a cure. And it's also hard to get people sometimes to take notice when they're not in pain yet or it's not a problem. And I know we said before we started, we'll do a whole episode on the value of working with a physio before birth. But the fact that we've brought it up, I remember doing a, um, I was in a conference. It's the only medical conference that I've done speaking about what we do. And there was an obstetrician speaking before me and he's, he was talking about the how in um, how they try and prevent tearing during a delivery. And he was saying that um, they use, you know, massage, perennial massage in the delivery. And, and I'm like, dude, you've, you've fucking missed the point. Like, why haven't we sent them to a, you know, why aren't you there saying we work hand in hand with pelvic health physios. We send them to the pelvic health physio at 20 weeks pregnant to make sure that they can properly relax and contract and relax their pelvic floor so that when they're in that birth process, they know how to do that. And I just think it's something that is massively missing in the industry that collaboration yes. on that part. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, me too. Um, in their defence, uh, it's just, it's never, from what I understand, it's just actually never crossed their path. They don't, from, they've not thought about the pelvic floor muscles being a potential obstruction to delivery um, for whatever reason. But, and I've certainly come across plenty of resistance to that concept um, from obstetricians in, in, in the form of comments like, oh, don't worry about the pelvic floor muscles until after the birth, you know. So we're like, huh, what? Which is why, so, you know, as you know, we're embarking on this massive research project yep. so that we can, uh, I mean, there's saying that there's actually more and more articles coming out every day that, that are helping prove this theory that these dynamic muscles that have to stretch three times their resting length, if they're tight, if they're really non-distensible in pregnancy, then duh, maybe they can't <laughs> stretch three times their resting length. Like, And the thing with that is, of course, is that that's a very treatable thing. Like mm -hmm. it's skeletal muscle tight skeletal muscle from a physiotherapy perspective is probably the easiest thing we treat. Like that's not difficult. So, um, and the ramifications of it are so huge. Yeah. So if we can, first of all, we need to show that it is a thing that yes, if someone has a non-distensible pelvic floor muscle system antenatally then yes it does impact their birth if we can show that then we can show that it, when we intervene we can optimize birth if we do that then we change the postpartum pathway yeah massively i love that you said duh because i'm like well a fucking tight muscle is gonna you're gonna find it hard to push through it right it's like it feels yeah. so simple and i don't understand how it's not yeah i i think Again, I mean, I don't understand yet, but hopefully one day in the future I will understand in more detail. But there are so many things for obstetricians to think about um, yep. and midwives, so many things um, that we don't know either. So they're probably, yes. they'll probably sit there and go, oh, well, duh, like you don't have to worry about getting this baby out alive. Um, so I, I, I think there's a lot, but hopefully because this layer is not – that complex I mean it's not complex for us and as you say if it's too complex for obstetricians and midwives no big deal send it off to the pelvic health mm -hmm. physio there's one on every corner now so 
hopefully um again when we're speaking on this podcast in five years time it will just be a thing <laughs> that's yeah, done absolutely yeah. yeah um if anyone is listening and would like to find a pelvic health physio you can go to the mum safe website we've got quite an extensive list now if you type in your location and you can have a look and see if there's a pelvic health physio near you um so joe if the people listening are a personal trainer and they would like to connect with a pelvic health physio, how would you say the best way for them or how would you like to be approached? I mean, I know how I tell people to approach you, but how would you, what, what works for you? Um, what works for us? I mean, anything, a phone call, an email. Hi, I'm such and such. I work with mums. Um, I'd love to meet up and we're usually straight on that. Yes, let's do it. Let's meet um, and talk about the demogra- demographic you're working with, how we can help. Um, it's as simple as that. Like it's it's a phone call or it's an email. It's not that that big a deal, I wouldn't yeah. have thought. And hopefully you, it will be met with warmth. I don't know many sort of pelvic health physios that would resist that. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. you, would you recommend that a trainer went and got a screening themselves? Obviously within reason, they might not want an internal screening, but they might want real-time ultrasound and we can talk about what that even is in a second. Well, I just like, you learn so much from your own body, don't you? Mm-hmm. So even just learning the process of what that appointment looks like is um, I think helpful uh, because you can explain it to your clients. Um, but also you, most public health physios are very willing to show um any exercise professional around what they do and explain it and help them understand it because that's better for everybody. Yeah. Do you think there's Mm. still some physios out there that are kind of scared of personal trainers because there definitely was the, you know, I work with my Mm. clients or my patients and we do all this great work around whether it's abdominal wall, pelvic floor, pelvis, and then I send them off to boot camp and I'm going to say that. Yeah. Anyway, with yeah, respect to the boot campers out there, yeah. um, and there's this concern that we're going to break them or we're going to undo all that that hard work. Um, maybe. I mean, I would say it, that would, in some way, be the responsibility of the pelvic health physio because our role is also to communicate with you guys and go, you know, she's joining she's joining a class with her mates, which is great, so good for so many other reasons. Can you just be careful of X, Y, and Z? Here's why. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I mean, and also educate your patient as well. Like even if you don't have access to um, the personal trainer or you don't have time to call them, sometimes we don't just say to the patient, listen, when, when they say do this, you do that. <laughs> or yep. Um, and here's why. So everybody's across the rationale. Um, I mean, maybe, but I, I, I would hope not. I mean, like everything, there's, there's, there's not great accountants. There's not great lawyers. There's not great physios. There's not great personal trainers. Like, I mean, I think I would hope as a general rule that everyone is just, um, open to working together and communicating as opposed to being scared of each other. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I think communication is key. So we work with trainers sometimes that know to partner with a pelvic health physio and they've got that referral relationship as in they're sending 
women to the physio, but then there's little communication going backwards. So, or they haven't even asked for the communication. So it can't be expected if it's not asked for. I love what you just said about, it's also our responsibility to get in contact with the trainers because as trainers, we think that that's our responsibility to get that information from you. How yeah. how do you like to communicate? Like, how do you, so if, if I sent a client to you and you find out you do the consultation, mm. you try and give the mum as much information as possible, but we all know, especially if she's a mum with a young child, she's remembered 5% mm. of it. She thinks she knows mm. what she needs to remember. And it's, we need that two-way communication between trainer and physio in order to get the best outcome for her. How do you like to do it from there? Is it an email? Is it a, you know, do you put the file into a Dropbox? Do you need the client's, the client's permission or the patient's permission? What's your process? Mm. Well, we always take responsibility for that first point of contact back to any referrer, whether it's a personal yep. trainer or a doctor or whoever. So, um, and it depends a bit who it is, but for personal trainers, generally, um, I quite like to get on the phone <laughs> Yeah, nice. because, um, it's sometimes easier to talk through the concepts, but otherwise it's an email. So our team know that, yes, they get consent from the patient, that that's okay. And usually it's the patient giving us the detail anyway of the um, personal trainer or exercise professional. And then, yes, as I said, I generally call, but some of our team email and, um, and that's probably about as sort of official as it gets. Mm. Yeah, but once you've got uh, the contact, then it's easy to flick back and forth with little questions or. Yeah, you know. what do you think of a trainer that says, "Oh, I, I don't understand what you're telling me." Oh, uh, clever for <laughs> speaking up. <Nice. laughs> yep. So you're too, because super open. Yeah. You, I wouldn't expect you to. Um, you know, like it's a completely different field. So, yeah, I mean. Don't you find with your courses that actually the people that ask the questions, you're like, oh, well, at least you're thinking about it and um, you want to understand as opposed to the people that stay silent, they worry me more. I agree. I also know that there's trainers out there going, oh, I've sent this person to see the physio and now if I don't know what they're telling me, then I look stupid or I look like I'm not, I don't know enough to be working with this person. So you gave me the right answer oh, to no, hopefully put think... their mind at rest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. I mean, that would be insane for us to expect you to understand. Like we, we've done, I mean, it's a different profession. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I always say that um, you, Joe, were my biggest teacher in terms of extending my knowledge in working with mums. And I like to believe that, every trainer and physio can have that relationship. And obviously there's got to be a personality thing. You've got to like each other. And, and on that, I guess, like if someone comes in and there's no, you don't mesh with that person, it's absolutely okay to go find somebody else. You don't have to work mm. with the person, the first person you come across. Absolutely. Because of course yep. there's variations on the theme everywhere you go. So cool. there'll be someone for everyone. <laughs> absolutely. Usually <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> so I touched on real time ultrasound before. Now, I know when we teach in Safe Return to Exercise that real-time ultrasound is a really great tool. It's not the, you know, gold standard, but it can be a really good way to get women in a room, help them to understand that brain-muscle connection. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about what real-time ultrasound is and how it can be beneficial both for a personal trainer and also for the mum that they're working with? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we're obsessed with it in our clinic as well. And that's simply because I've never worked without it. So when I started yeah. in our clinic 20 years ago, we had one, which was quite a novelty back then, but now 
most people have got one, which is fantastic. And we use it much more than we ever did. So uh, we use it around the abdominal wall, which is um, very important to, um, I suppose, quantify what's happening in terms of diastases and um, also just muscle function. So in term, I said before, if the core stabilizers aren't working optimally, very, it's very difficult to feel that, but you can see it brilliantly under ultrasound and it becomes of course a biofeedback tool so the patient can watch it and see and understand we use that in much more detail now we would use it as an outcome measure so if we're doing a treatment then we would want to see if that treatment has affected the core stability function Mm -hmm. we'll we'll use it during exercises so we'll watch what happens during uh i don't know a squat a lat pull down a row a box jump or whatever um, and then transabdominally, you can look for definitely pelvic floor muscle function. Um, you can look for bladder filling, bladder emptying. Um, probably our new favorite thing to do in the last couple of years is transperineal ultrasound. So it's still external, but it's on the perineum yep. on the outside. The reason that's so fantastic, again, is a biofeedback tool. You can see um, and assess what we call urethral hypermobility, which is one of the primary dysfunctions in stress urinary incontinence, which you can't feel. So for us, that's super exciting. Plus the patient can see it, plus they can see it when it changes with a pessary, for example. Um, And we also use that to see if a woman's um, bearing down properly. So in our prenatal assessments, are they bearing down and pushing really well? Um, or not and how to optimize that so yeah it's this just amazing tool where um, I think you you coined the term that we can sort of see the inside of the of the, the eyes on the inside eyes on the inside yep. that's it um, yep. and you definitely can and so for us as clinicians it's excellent it really does make our clinical reasoning more detailed and for the patients they love it mm-hmm. <laughs> of course what um what do you see when you say the patients love it? What are the main benefits for the clients? I think it's just understanding their anatomy a little bit better and understanding how that anatomy might change with if we change certain tasks or we get them to recruit a certain muscle and they can understand how that it, that it supports the organ or changes the urethral hypermobility or, you know, optimizes their abdominal wall. Um so, and then also if they're struggling with it, sometimes it's just that visual cue that helps them recruit better. Yeah. So if mm. I interpret it a little bit in my kind of brain, there a woman, when we as trainers are teaching or helping someone to understand their pelvic floor, all we have is external cues and external touch and feel. So we can give them some feedback, but we can't tell them hundred percent what they're doing. And it can be a bit of a head fuck for a want of a better phrase to try and teach a woman how to do something that she can't see, she can't feel, you can't see, mm. and you can't feel externally. So mm. when she goes and gets real time ultrasound, she can see whether it's pelvic floor, abdominal wall, perineum on a screen, and you can give her a cue and she can then go, ah, oh, when I hear that cue, this is what my body does. And now I can see it. it's like a mirror. Mm. Um, is that, that's about right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's cool. what we would coin biofeedback. Yeah. So bio body, getting the feedback on your body and understanding yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. And if somebody uh, was reluctant to go and see a pelvic health physio, because they were scared of an internal examination, you'd start with real-time ultrasound. Mm, yeah, exactly. Would you That's then right. 
do the do an internal anyway or would you um I don't know what would the protocol be there um I mean yeah I mean the internal exam is very helpful for lots of reasons um we're also very used to it so we're uh physios are quite tactile so feeling things um helps us make more sense of it but um it depends entirely if the woman does just doesn't want the internal exam then absolutely we would never do it without sort of her feeling comfortable mm-hmm. um and we get a we get good information from the ultrasound like good enough um and plus we take some other measures on the outside so we can definitely make sense of someone's um body enough with ultrasound if we have to yeah but i think just you know just you get just that next layer of detail if you can do an internal exam particularly if you're worried about pelvic floor muscles being a little bit more hypertonic a little bit higher in tone which is the dysfunction so is the problem Mm -hmm. they are too tight um that you can't see very well we we take some measures on the outside and so we can get a pretty good idea but nothing it's nothing quite like feeling the muscle yeah so Mm -hmm. a tight we've talked about hypertonic or too tight muscle a couple of times that is a we sometimes mistaken it as exercise professionals or anyone as um, it's too strong and strong, I think has this positive connotation to it, but a hypertonic muscle is still a weak muscle. Do you want to talk to that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it, it can be either. So okay. hypertonic, I suppose just means too much tone. It's, it's all, it's overactive and that in itself is quite, um difficult to understand you can have muscles that are just tight <laughs> mm-hmm. and you can have muscles that are actively too tonic so they're just or more, or more like overactive is probably a better word but the reality is if someone has had a tight or overactive muscle system for a long time so it's been in a shortened position for a long time it's not moved through its full range of motion it can't be strong yeah so um in those cases sometimes if it's been just sort of in this overactive state for not not so long you can release that overactivity and bring the the tone back down to normal resting tone and then you'll find that actually they still have strength so um there's they don't have a strength deficit i think it just depends on the amount of time that it's been sitting inappropriate tone levels so yeah yeah no hypertonic doesn't doesn't really give us any information about that level of strength and we can't okay. judge the level of strength until we've got the tone back to a normal resting tone. Cool. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. Tell us about prolapse. So prolapse is a, can be scary for a lot of women. Some, we did a podcast with Mish Wright and she was told that her pelvic floor was too weak and she was potentially going to end up with a prolapse, which is quite a scary kind of language what would you say to one a trainer who is talking to a mum about what could eventuate if they have a weaker pelvic floor and obviously within scope of practice it's not within our space to go oh you're going to end up with a prolapse but also to a mum that hears the word prolapse in her kind of whether it's in a consultation with yourself or she's reading something on the internet what should she think about prolapse is it so scary (laughs) um is it so scary i mean the language is scary um and the reality can be scary i mean it's really quite dependent on 
the stage, I suppose, of the prolapse. Um, the And again, this is like why we do what we do to try and prevent them because in an ideal world they are preventable and they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've already got to the stage where actually and, – and we now have a distinction between a clinical prolapse, I am symptomatic, I feel heaviness, dragging, it feels wrong down there, and anatomical prolapse asymptomatic but there is some mobility in those vaginal walls you know Mm -hmm. it's just not feeling normal so as clinicians we distinguish between the two um and at any stage you can be symptomatic so it's quite independent it's it's interesting everyone can feel things differently but if you have someone has told you you've got a prolapse or you feel symptomatic then there's so much that we can do um, conservatively. So it's not, oh, my God, I need surgery straight away. Um, We use, as you know, pessaries, and there's a thousand different types of pessaries um, to support the prolapse and pelvic floor muscle training. Now, pelvic floor muscle training is never going to change an anatomical prolapse. We cannot do that. But what we can do is change symptoms with pelvic floor muscle training proven fact plus we see it clinically all the time but the best tool we've got are pes- uh, pessaries and the reason is is because not only does a it take your symptom away straight away mm-hmm. b it prevents it getting worse and c you can keep doing whatever it is you want to do whether it's your boot camp your crossfit your running whatever so long as we support that prolapse we know we can make sure it doesn't get worse and even more exciting, I would say, and and the research is coming and clinically we're seeing it, um, if you have a pessary in for long enough, the tissues can start to stiffen back up again and that we okay. think the pessaries probably will show us that we can change an anatomical prolapse over time. Um, that's what we seem to see clinically. So hopefully... Um, hopefully that'll be that'll be a game changer as well and then finally you know worst case scenario there are very good surgeons who do do very good repairs um but you know obviously that's worst case scenario so we're hoping to get people before it's even a thing so that we can optimize their pelvic floor optimize their exercise to prevent it happening in the first place yeah if we end up with a prolapse because of whatever reason, we manage it conservatively and we do it really well. Yeah. <laughs> and then worst case scenario, we've we've crossed that line and that happens too and we do need surgery. That's okay. There's great surgeons and usually, hopefully, you're, in, you're still working with your personal trainer, you're still working with your pelvic health physio and we make sure that we look after that surgery for the rest of your life. Because that was a thing, right? A lot of... Per, uh, prolapse surgeries would fail and reoccur. Yeah, that that's right. Yeah. Tell me, judges, quickly, are pessaries for everybody? As in, um, do you, well, if someone's like, I, I really want to get back to the exercise I was doing, maybe I've got a prolapse, maybe I don't, maybe I'm symptomatic, oh, is a pessary a, a quick fix for anyone with a pelvic floor? <laughs> Problem, you mean? So if, yeah. if it's indicated? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's a bit of a it does no harm thing. Okay. Um, so, okay, so let's say in this scenario that we've got someone who really wants to return to exercise but we're clinically a little bit worried because we've taken a couple of measures and we're like, 
There's a few things that indicate here that I could be worried about you returning to sport. Um, we could go, you could go and we could just watch it and we could just see and we could just see, or we could prophylactically fit a pessary here um, to prevent mm-hmm. it. Um, so we definitely do do that. Um, and particularly in that case, usually it's just a very easy, basic ring pessary, which is in and out. And some of our patients just literally use their ring pessary for their sport. Um, so it's not even in all the time, you know? Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's not for everybody because it's not always indicated. Like, like I said before, some people come in and their function's unbelievable and there's just nothing to indicate that they are even at risk. So you would, of course, you wouldn't in that case. But if there's just that, there's a few indicators and you're like, ooh, and, and the level of intensity you want to get back to, let's do this and let's just keep watching you. You know, it doesn't, it's not forever. It's just for a period of time. So, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I had a couple of questions just to start to wrap us up a little bit. Um, if you were to look to the future, what are the key things that you'd like to see change both within the fitness industry and the physio industry working together or allied health and also medical industry? What would the ideal outcome be? Um, well, I think exercise is so important. It's so crucial for, for everything, for everything, like all you know, all chronic health conditions, you know, and our society is so underactive. Mm-hmm. Like I've been looking at stats recently and it's in the realms of like 65% of adults are underactive, not doing enough. And that's just based on, you know, global kind or probably not global, but like national, like physical health recommendations, you know, walk three times a week. People aren't even doing that. So, um, and we just know that it is so important in preventative health for chronic health conditions, mental health, obviously, um, and obviously for women for so many reasons, but our bone health, our strength is going to decline with menopause. It is like fact. So, um, I mean, I, I would say maybe one of the things that I'd like to see shift is that particularly in the medical profession that they push harder to get people exercising and don't just say it, but actually link. I mean, I think, and maybe it's not across the board, but it feels like exercise professionals and physios work really well together and we have for a long time. And if we're not, we should be like, that's just Mm -hmm. a given, but wouldn't it be amazing if medical professionals worked more with exercise professionals because they see these type two diabetics coming in with, you know, kidney failure and heart failure and the rest of it, like, Imagine that collaboration would be incredible. And yep. also um, from a women's health perspective, because that's what we do, um, you know, postpartum we've spoken a lot about, pregnancy we've spoken a lot about, really important. But, you know, Jen, as you and I have each, we're going to start <laughs> talking about perimenopause uh, no. and menopause. Yep. This population, uh, you know, needs needs exercise as much as anyone, if not more. So um, we really have to push push women 
to to get moving and stay moving like forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I keep I, I I see a lot of my peers or a lot of, even some of our mum safe trainers. They're going from, you know, they they've worked with mums and bubs. They've worked with pregnant mums as they're getting older. They're working with older mums mm. of older children. It's mm. funny. I think if I was still training, I'd still be with the mums and bubs. And it's not because I don't care about that. I just feel like if we don't get it right at that stage, and we all just keep moving and going on to now, now I'm older, therefore I'll just look after the older women. If we don't get it right in pregnancy and postpartum, we don't even get to that bit because they've got prolapses and they they can't move or they don't want to move. They don't feel good about their body. They don't know how to move. So yeah, I'm still kind of very fixated <laughs> no, on this part. It, yeah, yeah, it's a very good point. It's a very good point. Yeah, it's a slippery slope from that point um, yeah. to pull pull them back out. And I think also from the mental health perspective, it's just so crucial in those years where you just, you know, oh, those yeah, years so absolutely. hard they're just so hard so, so they are they are mm. I was going to ask you before what changed for you when you had children because you said right at the beginning you didn't have children when you first started working with mums and then you did along that journey did your perspective change or did did anything change for you oh everything changed for me my <laughs> goodness I don't know if I can even remember of course my perspective changed certainly um yeah, just that level of understanding, as you alluded to earlier, that like don't load them up too much. You genuinely can't remember anything, um, nor do you have the energy for much. I remember uh, I remember thinking to myself, I am never going to ask a woman to sit up straight in the middle of the night while she's breastfeeding, you know, like <laughs> just doing that going, how have I even said to someone to get your posture right at 1am? Like there's no way you can sit up straight when you're just battling. <laughs> like what a stupid thing to say. So, I mean, there was lots and lots and lots of changes. I mean, having children, um, yeah, changes your perspective on everything, I think, but certainly makes you even more passionate it was probably for me it was probably my births that really made me more and more passionate about wanting to help women birth well yeah um and then understanding that postpartum journey in so much more with so much more empathy yeah amazing <laughs> to wrap us up joe tell us um where people can find you and also if you've got anything that you'd like to share where they can go and do more education or anything along those lines. Uh, well, I suppose we I'm director of the physiotherapy clinic, which is in Sydney. Um, so you can find us in Bondi Junction and in Camaray and down in the Shire and Woolaware. Um, we're linked with plenty of other pelvic health physios because we run a mentor program. So if you are looking for anybody and you can't find them, please don't hesitate to send us an email. We might be able to find someone for you. Mm -hmm. um, we have designed a um, women's health course for exercise professionals that was run face-to-face -face a couple of times, um, but I've actually recorded that. So um, that's also accessible. I've, um, that recording is for sale. Um, so yeah, where are we? We're at physiotherapyclinic.com.au, I think. <laughs> Amazing. We'll put the links to that in the show notes. And I want to say thank you for juggling. My pleasure. Hanging out with me on the podcast while you are away with your family. It's <laughs> I okay. really appreciate that. My pleasure. That. No problem. Um, thank you for all of the amazing knowledge that you've brought to me over the years and you've continued to share with all of our mum safe trainers um, whenever we ask you so that's such a it's such a privilege of mine to be able to lean on you as an as a specialist in the field and and to really help us well we work together to lead the way in the collaboration between the fitness industry and allied health 
Thank you. Well done for all your amazing work in that space too, Jen, because, yes, you are definitely the pioneer. Go, girl. We're getting there. Thanks, Joe. Have a beautiful day. <laughs> Take See care. See you later. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for being with us for this episode today. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure to have one more conversation that takes us closer to our goal of safe and effective exercise for all women at every stage of motherhood. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please make sure you hit follow wherever you listen to your podcast and rate and review so more people can join us next time. For further information about anything we've talked about in this episode, head to jendugard.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to connect with me in person, I would love to hear from you over at my Instagram at jendugard. Thank you for your voice in this space. Have a beautiful day.